Hey, everybody. Just a quick note before this week's show. Uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller had to be out of town. I'll talk about that in the show itself. But the resulting 30 minutes of an experiment that I do, I wasn't sure after I was done with it whether or not it would be the – can you – oh, the ha- that was great. The hammering stopped as soon as I stopped, so it sounds like it was my voice that was doing it. That was fun. We're also doing a little painting and some trim work upstairs right now. In any case, the 30 minutes that I, you know, I wasn't sure if it would really be everyone's cup of tea. So I asked Yamabe, you know, our, our editor, he helps out a lot with volunteers editing skills at Mad Christianity. Um, you know, listen to this. What do you think? And he said, well, you know, at the end, it might get a little de- geek deep there, but I really liked it. And so, you know, I, I kind of listened to it all again and pondered, okay, so should I try to add something else? And here's what I'm adding. Just a front end to say, you know, if if in the last 10 minutes of this, you're like, okay, that's just a little too much for me to absorb over audio. Cool. Uh, it was an open experiment and uh, understandably may not be something you can pick up unless you're already reading How to Take Smart Notes uh, by Sanka Ahrens. But, but the rest of the podcast up to probably around the 20, 22 minute mark of the 30 minute podcast, uh, I think I think you're still going to get something out of. So, And I talk about all the reasons why Brian's gone, when he'll be back, all this kind of stuff uh, on the other side. But again, just a hat tip uh, that this week's show might be for the, the true productivity nerds among you. And the rest of you are just going to have to bear with our, well, we know we're hard to live with. Yes, we do. So I'm slightly embarrassed on a number of levels. It's not really that big of a deal. But you know, when you launch a brand new podcast in which you are half of the headline and the other half of the headline is probably more significant to the headline than you, and then right away he's not around, well, that might look bad, huh? So so the fact that it's just me this week on Stop the White Noise, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and that Pastor Brian Wolfmuller is out of the area for not only this week, but also next week. Well, I just don't want that to discourage you. That's that's what I don't want it to do. I don't think it will. I know you're all mostly, mostly, you're all of goodwill out there. So of course, you know, he'll be back. And then strangely enough, I'll be dancing out of town there briefly as well. So you won't have us tag teaming. But what we can tell you is that whichever one of us is vacating or otherwise staycating, uh, you will have the one that is active and working, providing you stop the white noise, which means this week you get you get Pastor Jonathan Fisk by himself digging into, well, what is most pressing on his mind when it comes to clear thinking and trying to let first principles, clear reasoning, structure, uh, objective thinking, challenging, hacking, let it all be a little bit more than just trying to get ahead. Let it be a way to lead a peaceful and quiet life in which in which you have some integrity and in which your goals are not just dreams, but in fact, things that align with your, your duty. So where my life and, and my pursuit of that has brought me this afternoon, uh, Tuesday, June 22nd, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, is to the, the congealing of a number of, of failed, I don't want to say failed, a number of tried systems of information over a lifetime. From you know the secret weapon of getting things done in Evernote into bullet journaling and a significant excursus there, trying to go all digital, trying to go all analog, trying to deal with carpal tunnel, trying to understand you know a midlife crisis, all of these things um, coming together with Everbook in the last year. But then also, Everbook, I don't know, just being something I couldn't get my own mind around. And some of this, 
my friend Yamabi just pointed out the other day, and I've said it in other places, is because every system has the same flaw. Every well, and, it's, and it's not just singing children. If you heard that, <laughs> every every system ha- has the same flaw. Is that somewhere along the line, there's a merging of what you would call a maybe a permanent note, a reference note, a a, a thought that you've written down somewhere that you intend to be deep. You intend to think on it for some time, to have it be there and maybe grow. Somehow that gets confused and intermingled with a much more fleeting note or thought or idea in your system. And it's not just once. This starts to happen at a maybe even exponential level once you settle into the system, whatever management system it is, whether it's your day planner for this year or otherwise. Right. So I feel so good to get a new one. Like, ah, overload system. Because it starts to scale, it feels, exponentially toward unmanageability. And again, it is, it is the, the, the smooshing together, the smooshifying together of your reference material and your next actions. Your, your to-do lists and the stuff that you need to get to but isn't really able to be done anything with at the moment. It just has to sit there for later. How do you manage that? And and Yamabe, my friend, is the same guy who um, – and by the way, we've never really met. We just know each other on the internet. Um, but I, I think I can speak highly of him. Uh, he he sent me this book, How to Take Smart Notes by Sanka Ahrens, which Brian and I have talked about on Stop the White Noise already almost exclusively along with every book, Principles and Ideas. Um, and it, it's been the thing that – it's like it was the missing piece to all the other systems. And the book claims to be that. Uh, she she says, I believe it's a lady. She is a lady. Um, that you know, getting things done had, had a short-sightedness. And it, it had to do with where the reference system interfaced with the next actions. And that this provided a way to answer that. But then I found that the book itself had a short-sightedness. In that the only limit to what smart notes are... Which is and, – and again, the book itself doesn't really do a great job of saying, well, are, am I taking smart notes? Is this thi- a thing called the slip box? The terms never get really defined well in my mind. Um, but to, to bring it back, the only limit to what smart notes are is your imagination and the quality of the interface between your reference system and your next action system. For lack of better terms. And in terms is what I have been then tinkering with, trying to find a way to share the interface that that I've stumbled into uh, that I think is just what SmartNotes is anyway. I just, I guess, accidentally didn't apply any limitations to my thinking of how far it could go. I don't know. We'll find out. But it's been a lot of fun. What I have in my hands in in front of me, and it's by no means complete. I'm still 15 to 20 pages away from the end of reading the book. And once I've done that, I intend to then go back to these, this stack, an inch inch thick or more of notes on the book, which have progressed as a book. Uh, One of the premises of the book is that if you take notes while you're reading, you will be able to without even trying, create things for publication at some point simply by uh, the studious care of the notes you're taking. And so I, I took up that 
early said premise in the book. I said, well, prove it to me. I'll do it with your book. And I've been very – I'm incredibly thankful that, that, I, that I've done that because here, again, I have this backwards written, weirdly intuitively growing but clearly structured book that is not Sanka Aaron's book by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and I, I'm not even sure what I'm going to find in it. I'm looking forward to reading it because um, – while it's it's a mess right now for sure, and I'm probably the only person that could make heads or tails of of what these these scribbles and scratches say, I think by the time I get to a second set of notes on the other side of this, there's going to be something something pretty cool. And I don't know if today I really came up with the name for it or not. It's not Everbook, but it certainly can benefit with and use Everbook. I mean, what is Everbook? Everbook, which is a gorgeous thing, is a journal with modular pages. That's what Everbook is. And again, the limitations of how far that can go is really your imagination. What can you put in a journal with modular pages? Well, that's the limitations of Everbook. So for me, this this other thing that I'm I'm coming up with now, it goes into your Everbook or not, depending on how many Everbooks you have and and where you like to keep your paper and what kind of paper you like to use. And that's although that is that is a big thing that at least um, so far in my experience of of how to take smart notes, the slip box, Sanka Aaron's work, um, you really do have to, with that one, go for a note card paper style. And I don't know if Brian and I have talked about that much. Uh, so one of the premises or the, the – the, I don't know if it's a premise even. The, the book is not written like a how-to, which is a little frustrating. It, it kind of is supposed to be. Um, but in any case uh, – in order for the slipbox system to be what it's supposed to be, you need uniform and reliably firm paper, which makes note cards the easy way to go. And you have at your, you know, you, you can get three by five note cards, you can get four by six note cards, you can get five by eight note cards, and four by six, I think, is what the book recommends. Is what Brian got is what I ended up settling on. I got both some five by eights and four by sixes, and I'm 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 so amazed with the power of the four by six note card just by itself. Like that alone, like just turn off my podcast right now and and start keeping track of things. Forget post-it notes; they're dead. They're dead to me now. I'm I'm sorry, post-it notes. I just I just had an order of them come in, and I feel very, very sad, but they're, they're nothing beside the note card. It, it is such a marvelous tool. I can't believe we weren't just being made to write on these from like third grade onward when we did everything because it's just big enough to capture significant things and just small enough to never allow you to really write a paper on it. <laughs> you have to go a little further and use a couple of note cards, and I think we all maybe have a gut reaction hatred of the note cards. Maybe not we all. I had, I harbored a gut reaction, hatred of the note card because of the way it was used to try to teach structured writing at some point in my education and the, the pain of having to like craft or pre-craft the structure of an argument on note cards when you were too young to really know what, you know, what, what a thesis as a word even meant. Well, that means the note cards were like these evil things. I mean, you could also, I guess, have them as flashcards. There were those kids who had the flashcards and, and you're like, oh, I feel so guilty. That kid's smart too. And they're going to beat me because they're doing flashcards, right? And that, that was my weird social anxiety there. Uh, but in any case, all my experiences with note cards was, was negative. But I, I, it just, I just need to repent before the world. I was so wrong. 
they're they're the glorious glorious tool for information and stability of that information because unlike so many other pieces of paper including those marvelous little legal pads i was using for so long they're stable they're stable in the last in any case so that's a big part of the slip box system whether you like it or not again i commend the book to you but um, so I, I have a stack of note cards in my hand, which amounts to being this backwards written kind of intuitively note taken set of unique ideas that combine the smart note concept with all the other getting things done style thinking, reading and experimentation I've done uh, in, in my lifetime. And, and the end of it is is something that I'm calling the stack, the stack um, it's a stack of note cards. That's what I got in front of me. I don't have my whole one. My my entire stack right now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, w- what I think is also maybe rightly termed a slip box, although my slip box does more than, than Sanko Aaron's one does, I think. Um, but mine is about five inches thick or so. And this, this set of notes on this one book, which is one of the most recent things I've been working on, you know, that's a major portion of that. So I've taken that part out, and I've got it over here with me uh, at my desk. And the first page, uh, the first note card is a title note card or a horizon note card, I think is what I'm going to call them. Um, and it said, in the upper right-hand corner, it has the, the uh, letter J4, which is part of the How to Take Smart Notes filing system, um, which I'm not going to get into right now. But it is a really, really useful system uh, if you can believe it, <laughs> once you can trust it, uh, and then start – making links really within it, uh, it is it is pretty effective at keeping track of information. Uh, you just have to let go a little bit. It's it, it's pretty unintuitive when you first start and continues to be so. And if you're sloppy like me with your handwriting, it's even more frustrating because you have to just put up with botched scribbles everywhere. In any case, in any case. So so back to the, the, the actual stack here, though, that I'm be- dealing with. This particular stack is all the notes of, of – of the stack study out of how to take smart notes. Um, but I think of it in my hands as I'm holding it like a giant stack of magic, the gathering cards a little bit, which may or may not help you at all. But if you have any past experience with card playing of any kind, just think of a stack or you call it a deck. If you wanted to a deck of cards, a deck of cards and when you're playing with a deck of cards, there's a certain level of randomness that's there, right? Which is a good thing. And there's a certain level of stability that's there, which is also a good thing. And this is some of the, the juju of, of how to take smart notes in the slip box is to recognize that so long as you know the total substance of what's in the pile and you're pretty certain of, of that stack, you know the stack's whole total, then it doesn't really matter as much what the order is. Although you may want to be able to find things more quickly eventually, but there's some real power in just pulling, you know, six or seven cards out of that stack and laying it together. And you don't want to necessarily call it a hand, although maybe you want to. I don't know. That's what I'm still trying to figure out. But but to put those those now, if each of these cards is a significant idea or a significant thought, I mean, in this particular stack, they're all notes taken from this book. Then the combination of those notes which I already have some familiarity with, will increase my ability to learn what I have read already. And if I should translate, write it down, and elaborate on it, could even further enhance my ability to make use of the first information I read from Sonka Aarons. That's the theory of the book itself, I think. And um, so 
what we're going to do here is I'm not going to write it down, which is going to be kind of unfortunate, but I don't think I can write and talk at the same time. But I'm going to pull at least three, maybe five cards out of this. And I know I've got them. I, you know, I, I've tried to play with chaos along the way. Initially, I was like, well, we'll just keep them in order. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to mess with it and tinker and throw it all over. And then I finally started writing backwards. So now everything's going on the front. So it's, it, the book is completely backwards. But that's because the terms keep developing. So I think some of the earliest stuff's just not even going to be worth anything by the time I get to the end. But in any case, what I want to do is pull out just like five of them at randomly. And then I'm going to try to talk about the concepts uh, with you, here for you, as an experiment for myself and for you, right? Uh, Speaking of white noise, how clear can it be? The claim behind this, though, again, and I'm taking this claim from Aaron's. uh, This is not my own claim, but now I'm a, a proponent of it, is that the more you do this with real and substantial information in your own notes, the more real and substantial your own notes will become succinct, so they're not going to be necessarily larger, but fulfilled with real memory that you have that you can rely on and return to to build a a bigger and bigger understanding of your world and contribution to it and that's a pretty stunning claim i think uh really really over the top in fact but it's led to what what well what i think is kind of fun so here we go let's pull out a couple of notes and i'm going to try not to to prejudge them, it's difficult. I want to look at them and be like, well, that one makes sense, and that one doesn't. But the idea, again, is that by that... Let's get one of these paper ones. I've got some of them here. These are old, older, that are just paper. All right, there's five. We'll see. Now, you can't see this. I wish I had a camera set up so I could record you. I've, I've got space in front of me on the desk, <clears throat> and I'm putting them out. Like, imagine that you... For me, Magic the Gathering, you know, I would I would be building my deck right now. I've got all these cards laid out in front of me, and I want to kind of see what are the connections, are they going to work together, all this kind of stuff. But but I'm not going to do that with a deck of Magic the Gathering cards. I'm doing it with my own thoughts, and I have five of them. Um, the the one that is it kind of jumps out as the most clear is this phrase here. It's it's a, it's one of three main phrases on this card, and there's a diagram I've drawn here too. It says pre-stack your ever stack. From the back. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That's me branding, right? I'm just trying to think of branding as I go or be creative with the branding for the sake of remembering it myself. You can think of branding as a tool for your own memory. There's there's an older word for this that I'm not going to be able to remember off of the top of my head. It's not onomatopoeia, but it's a similar kind of I don't know, spiritual reality, I think, at least, <laughs> if, that, if that means anything. The trying to create memorable phrases or jingles is done so that you would remember them and buy them. In the same way, you can then brand your own thoughts as you're taking notes, not because you're going to sell them actually, but for the sake of your own memory. And so out of that phrase, pre-stack your ever stack from the back, we certainly have gotten the word stack out of that because this is an earlier, earlier note. And as I kept trying to figure out, you know, is this thing an ever book? Is that what I'm talking about? Is this thing the slip box? Is that what I'm talking about? What I'm actually talking about, you know, it wasn't like really apparent to me right away that it was the stack or a stack of notes that I'm talking about, but that is what it is. And so that's what I'm going to keep calling it. One of my frustrations with the slip box, I've said this before, and I'm just going to keep saying it over and over again, is that it, it doesn't seem to clearly mean anything as a, as a box, as a name. It is a box of slips. Not really. A slip is a flimsy piece of paper, not a fixed card. So I, 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 the S box, I don't know. I'll keep calling it that, but it's, it's, 
never going to work as a branding because it doesn't say what it is and it's hard to remember. But the stack of cards, that you can remember, I think. And then pre-stacking your Everstack from the back. What does that mean? That goes a little deep. So in order to have your stack of cards not intermingle your reference and your daily tracking, your next actions, you need a a third space. Uh, You need a third space between kind of your incoming notes that you're going to process and your your reference deep notes, permanent notes that you're going to study and and kind of work within later. You need a place for notes that are coming and going. What I am calling T notes, right? So your first notes are things you just take down right away, but as soon as you begin doing more with them, they're in the T space. And uh, let's see, teen is actually one of one of these other cards over here. So here's another card that has three sections on it. This is from page 116. I have that much information on here. So not all of these notes had that yet, but many of them says what page I was reading, say what page I was reading uh, at the time that I wrote the note. Uh, None of them are, however, quotes from the book. Rarely, indeed, and the book tells me, tells you, the process tells you, don't quote. Translates, that's what teen is, by the way. Teen, T-E-A, is for translate, elaborate, and activate. And it's a major concept in my understanding of the stack. Teen up your notes, this note says, whether yesterday's or last year's will always yield unexpected good work and momentum, as well as the strengthening of your thinking through repeated self-exposure to the proofs of its weaknesses. Ah, it's a marvelous little bit there. So teen, translating, elaborating, or activating your notes as you read them. So you jot down a note. When you look at it again, you either translate it, that is, you write it in different words, you elaborate on it, you say more words about it, or you activate it, that is, you do those words to the world somewhere. If you do that with something that you wrote, whether it was something you wrote yesterday or something that you wrote last year, this will always yield for you an unexpected and surprisingly good bit of work or production or momentum. A good thought will result from it in some way. And this will strengthen you and your thinking process because the good thought will result from seeing the weakness of the previous thought and building a stronger thought over its foundations, right? Stripping away the weakness, leaving the strong behind. That is the idea behind teeing up in general and one of its benefits. Yeah, although the note here itself doesn't really tell you the, the idea behind teeing up, translate, elaborate, activate. But that is that is so huge to this whole whole stack concept. So that ties back then to pre-stack your ever stack from the back. Your your <laughs> I didn't really complete all of that connection then. So so you need that place for these T notes. This is, I don't know what to call it. It's the stack that you're carrying around with you. It's the front of the stack. I'm not going to call it the ever stack. But what I do know is that it's the, it's, it's, it's so hard to describe it still. Um, if my slip box is a stack of note cards that is referenced so that everyone has a way to know where to find it because it's a real established thought, right? And if you're reading the book, That'll help at this point in this conversation. If you haven't been, this has probably been a little gobbledygooky. But then every other note that hasn't gotten there yet is in the T process, right? That's a separate stack, even though I I think it's part of the whole stack. It's like the head of the great stack in the sky that is every note card you will ever write. And many of them are not here yet. And they 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 will fill... Households, perhaps, uh, unless you're very good at rewriting and maybe even coming more clear. Maybe we'll only fill a couple boxes. You know, I don't know. But 
there is one stack and it divides into two reference and actions, right? And reference is when it goes into those into that you might properly call slip box phase or, or direction. But before that, it's in the T note phase. Okay, so in that T note phase, uh, before it's been sent into a tickler or anywhere else, yeah, it is likely that you will have somewhere between ten and thirty cards at any one time, ebbing and flowing. And what I have found has been just tremendously glorious is using that space to manage all all my to-dos. A stack, a magic deck of cards that I can play for cross-referencing and activating the things I need to get done today and this week. And one of the things I've been doing to make that work, and really the, if, if I write a book on this here, right, the idea is, is how to teach you, is to teach you how to do just that, right, to get that more clear than just the suggestion I gave there. But one of the things that you do with that pile of moving between, again, as low as even five, but then not really because I'm starting to have some that are more permanent-ish style spaces in that stack, types of card or schools of, of card, you might call them. But between five and 30 cards, because beyond that, it gets too big and you have to start, well, you will start moving it into your actual um, uh, slip box space, or you'll be moving it into a trigger, uh, a, a tickler file of some kind. That all happens very organically, at least so far it has for me. But then what remains that has not been yet uh, you know, classified with a, a reference filing system number in the corner or anything like that, these notes that need to be teed up still more and more, and constantly that's the work is that you do is you're teeing those notes up. At the end of every day, I want to look at that and then put it in order so I will find it in a certain set of ways the next morning. And what's really beautiful about this is you can you can leave yourself a, a trail of breadcrumbs for the next day. It's so much better than a to-do list because it really comes only one at a time. And if you can trust yourself enough to say, yeah, I really set this up. I thought this through yesterday, and I know my first hour and a half, unless someone you know calls and they're dying on the phone, it, it can really be okay if I just trust myself here. You know, my first four hours, if I just trust the, the notes I left myself leading my day. I don't even have to look at a calendar because the next note will tell me, oh, now's about time to go do that, right? So it, if you're going to do that, though, again, the best way to do that is to do it throughout the day a little bit. So there's a, a reloading space that I, I have in my Everbook, um, and in the reload, I plan the next day throughout this day by dropping notes for myself there. And then when I go to look at that whole thing, last thing in the day, and then setting it up for the next morning, I pre-stack that from the back. That is, I don't go to the front and start going through it again. I go to the back and start going through it again. And I start moving forward things that are more in, more immediate or needy than things that I find that aren't that needy. But when I get to the point where I find something I can't move past, I don't even go past it. I don't look at it. I leave it for tomorrow. Um, now, I don't know if that's quite right or not, but it is what I'm doing right now. And that's what this phrase, pre-stack your ever-stack from the back, means. Now, that connects up with this teen idea off of one card. Now, I, I do have a T word over here on a third card. It says this. <clears throat> T to deep and then down horizons must be seen as more than one box archiver or clip. How it all networks is the key. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so we got the T idea, right? Uh, translate, elaborate, activate. The deep idea, deep notes, are notes that can do more than just translate and elaborate and activate. Although you can do that too with them. 
but they've moved on to a realm where you can discover, engage, evolve, and persevere. That is, they maybe can lead you to go look for more information to fill in a gap, or you can go back and engage it to check your own thinking later because you know you can trust what you had written before, or maybe again through context and uh, the cross-referencing magic that happens in a slip box, you are able to evolve those thoughts into something that was not even there before. And finally, it may just go there to persevere, to, to be something that establishes and remains there as a reminder for later, whether whether for good or for ill, uh, like into statues and whatnot, to be to be timely there for a moment. Now, in, in order to tell you what the deep note was about, I actually had to go dig a little bit because I haven't memorized that phrase yet because deep notes is something I'm not spending as much time in at the moment. So to get back to why he was even telling you about the deep notes – from that one, there it is. I think I found it. Okay, so here, so here. So this is to tr- all to explain that one note on that one card, T to deep, and then down horizons must be seen as more than one box archiver or clip. How it all networks is the key. It is from your T notes, from those notes in that unfiled space that is translating and elaborating and activating all the way to the depths of the notes that are permanent deep notes that are there to create paths to discover, to be engaged with, to help you evolve other thoughts, and then to persevere as the best established thoughts of your life. All the way through that, it's going to run down a set of horizons. And horizons are analog notes that exist in order to make the analog system work. I can't go into too much detail on that now, but you can call them indexes if you want to be boring. They're more beautiful than indexes, and there's a lot more in that. But all of this then, these T notes, the deep notes, and the horizon notes that hold them all together have to be seen as more than one box archiver or clip. It's kind of all boxes, archivers, and clips, even if and as it spreads out into various places of storage, whether it would be, say, in a file cabinet or whether it would be in a, a whole bookshelf filled with, with uh, Everbook archivers, which I think would be pretty cool looking, um, all the way through that, you want to see it. If you're, if you're really going to start the process uh, of the stack and have it have it benefit you, which I think is what Slipbox promises, uh, well, then you have to see it all as one big thing. And the, the key then would be, well, how does that network work, especially without allowing the, the flooding of your reference system with your next actions, right, with your next actions? How can you keep that from happening? And all I can tell you is that I think I know the answer. It has to do with that T note space and and this where this other stack of cards this other stack of cards this magical stack of cards the choose your own adventure stack of cards for tomorrow um, I look forward to sharing more with you about that and how it's helping me I think find my way through my white noise here here in Rockford uh, I'm saying I'm uh, Pastor Jonathan Fisk of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Rockford Illinois uh, sitting in this week for my co-host with me Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Austin Texas always getting together on Tuesdays to try to find our way to stop the white noise, be more clear, and at the end of the day, do more good. I'll be back next week on my lonesome, and then Pastor Wolf Mueller will be back on his lonesome before a big, big happy renewal after that. Nonetheless, I know either way, you're going to be doing more good right where you are. So you do that. We'll catch you next time. Rock on.